Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their businesses. Today, our featured guest is fearless entrepreneur, Larry Wingett. And Larry is a six times New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestselling author. This guy writes books that people can't get enough of. They're like magnets for our emotions. He calls us out on what we need to hear, but maybe don't want to hear. That's what I'm hoping he's going to do on the show today is to reach out to you, Startup Nation, hit you right between the eyes and tell you what it is you need to hear to get you to where you want to go. Larry is also a Hall of, Time, uh, Hall of Fame speaker, public speaker for I think 25 plus years, Larry, I'm guessing, not to date you there. Uh, he's a social commentator and he's on all the TV networks. Um, he's the go-to expert when the news networks want to know, they want to get down and dirty and give us what's really happening in the world. Uh, Larry is that guy. So Larry, go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro for us and uh, just reach out to Startup Nation. <laughs> I can fill in a few gaps. First of all, you talk about superpowers to being successful. I don't believe in superpowers. I believe people uh, are looking for superpowers and most successful people don't have any. What they really have is the ability to get off their ass every single day and make things happen. And uh, when they do that, and that's just good old-fashioned hard work, common sense, uh, serving people well, asking people to buy what you got, that's it. That's not a superpower. That's just good old hard work. Then you said I was a fearless entrepreneur. Now, I got to call you on that deal, too. I, I believe that fear is the greatest motivator in the whole world. I've been terrified entrepreneur, and I think that's what people need. I think the whole idea of fearless is stupid. I think fear is the driving force on the planet. The only reason I'm rich is because I was afraid to be broke again. The only reason I'm on time is because I'm afraid to be late. The only reason I'm a good guy is because I'm afraid to be a bad guy. You know, I am, I am constantly driven by fear and I think people need more fear in their life, not less fear. I think it's stupid to tell people to be fearless. I want them to be scared to damn death every single day of all the negative consequences that come with stupidity and laziness and not working hard and not serving people well and all that stuff. There, how's that for filling in the gaps? I love that. And you know, I just rethought, I'm gonna probably remove the fearless thing out because you're right, fear needs to be present for us to get off our ass and get things done that we say we're going to do. Otherwise yeah. we're just full of crap, right? Yep. All right, cool. So take a minute and share with us something personal about you that very few people in your business life or your social media networks know about you. i tell you what, uh, I'm pretty good at this. I'm a pretty good speaker. Uh, I've been kind of at the top of my game for a good long while. I have been a professional speaker for over 25 years now. I've written all those bestsellers. I do all right, but let me tell you what, I'm a hell of a cook. <laughs> Most people are not aware. I am a master barbecue guy. I mean, what, the real deal. What's your number one thing to cook? Or well, ribs are the easiest and uh, probably what most people like to come to my house for, but I make a hell of a brisket too. I have uh, paid the best people in the world to go learn how to uh, 
barbecue from them. I've been the keynoter for the National Barbecue Association. I am into the barbecue world. So uh, that's what I'm really good at. I love it. Cool. All right. So let's get down to business. Now, our audience loves to know uh, how much revenue you brought in last year. You're welcome to share it if you want approximately, or I'll just say you're doing millions. So you're way past the 100K mark. Yeah, I'm doing millions. <laughs> okay, cool. Got it. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we all love to listen to millionaires and billionaires, Larry, talk about, you know, how they made it or what they're doing now and their big projects. And it's really like tantalizing on our ears. And we're like, someday that's going to be me someday, right? And we live in this someday existence. And I believe that we can't even relate to them because 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first $100,000. And that's the reality. And they're yeah. pretending that they're not struggling. And they're, they're putting on a show. They're showing the highlights of their life on all their social networks. Look how great my life is, et cetera. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're going home alone and struggling and barely getting by, et cetera. Take us back to when you were in that position, when you were struggling to make that first 100K. Just take us back there for a little bit, fill in some of the gaps, paint us a picture, tell us that story. Well, I've been there a couple of times. First of all, I grew up dirt poor in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Uh, we didn't have anything. My mom and daddy didn't make much money. And uh, I remember, remember going to school when I was in the eighth grade and uh, my eighth grade civics class and the kid looked up at me and said, Wingate, are you so poor you only got one pair of jeans? Mm. It was true. I had one pair of jeans and they had a rip in the pocket and face it, all your jeans can't have a rip in the same spot, you know? So uh, he busted me in front of a bunch of little 13 year old girls and that was embarrassing and humiliating. That's traumatic. And, yeah, it was traumatic. And I made up my mind that quick. I'm, nobody's ever gonna make fun of me for being broke again. I don't know what I'm going to do, but i tell you what, I can figure something out that nobody's mm. going to make fun of me for being broke. I'm going to figure out what it takes. And there weren't a lot of rich role models in Muskogee, Oklahoma, uh, during that period of time. I can tell you that for sure. So who did you turn to, to kind of get that new mindset of, to go from a poverty mindset to an abundance mindset? Yeah. You know, I didn't, turn to anybody. I was, I never turned to anybody. I don't have mentors. I don't have, t I don't have any of that stuff. We didn't have all this available to us. We had a library and I read a lot. Uh, but I always turned to me. I said, what can I do? And that's the way, that's the way I look at it every single day. I think we've got too many people that have become other reliant, other reliant for information, other reliant for common sense, other reliant for support. I think we need to become much more self-reliant. I got a new book called What's Wrong With Damn Near Everything, where I talk about the loss of core values. And one of those core values is self-reliance. So I don't look to anybody ever for anything. To hell with all of them. I look at me because I have, I have absolute clarity about who I am and what I want. And even when I was 13 years old, I said, what can I do to make a difference? Mom and daddy can't help me. They're working as hard as they can pay the bills on what we got right now. And I didn't have any friends who were rich. And so all I knew was that I could outwork anybody. So, so I get I that. I outworked everybody. I get that. Right. So like, I would say not whatever, a hundred percent of entrepreneurs, like we're all struggling with getting clear of what it is we want. Like, how did you get to that clarity at age 13? Yeah. I never, I don't know how I got to it. There wasn't a process for me. It's a dumb idea for most people to become an entrepreneur. It's stupid. 99% of all entrepreneurs ought to keep their damn job, 
really, because they're never going to do what it takes to be successful and make that $100,000. People say, I want to start a business. Really? What do you know about starting a business? Did your brother-in-law say, oh, you'd be really good at that. I'd buy that from you. I mean, really, what was your, did you do any research? Did you find out whether the market even really needed or wanted what you want to do? Did you read a book on marketing? Did you read a book on selling? Most people don't know there's a difference between marketing and selling. Do you know how to serve a customer? Can you read a balance sheet? Have you ever read about hiring and firing and managing people? What do you know about being an entrepreneur? Or do you just have, and this is where all these dumbasses get out there and say, just follow your passion. Oh my God, the dumbest crap in the entire world is being passionate about what you do. It's stupid. Passion is defined in the dictionary as a barely controllable emotion. I don't want a barely controllable emotion anywhere near my business. I want hard work and excellence and service and value. That's what I want to consume me and consume my business. That's it. So we've got all these people out there who have become entrepreneurs. They're saying, I wonder why I'm not doing very well. I wonder why the failure rate is so high. You should have kept your damn job. Before you become an entrepreneur, do some research. Figure out whether it's really right for you. Figure out whether you even want to do this. Everybody says, I want freedom. The least free thing you can do is become an entrepreneur. That you is have a job the, and every other Friday the paycheck shows up, that's freedom. You get to go home at five o'clock. When you're on your own and there is no paycheck next Friday, you'll work your ass off all the time. Your time, your energy, your money, everything you've got belongs to somebody else. So people need to get their mind right about entrepreneurship before they jump off and say, that's for me. It might not be. Larry, so I love the way you talk, right? This is like, this is like in your face, tell us what we need to hear, right? Uh, contradict the norms and everything like that. There's a gap though, right? Based on what I just heard you say, I see a gap. So you're saying, well, many entrepreneurs are like, no, I want to pursue my passion because I hate my job, right? I hate my nine to five. It's, it's, it's a terrible existence. I go home depressed. I have high anxiety, high stress, whatever. And then we have, you're saying, no, there's freedom in that. There's security in that. You got your paycheck. Is there a middle? Is there a gap there? Because what I'm hearing you say is like, if you're stuck in that nine to five that you hate, suck it up and do it anyway. Well, you ought to suck up to it anyway, simply because they're paying you to do it. That's the honorable thing to do. I don't care yeah. whether you hate it or not. We aren't paid to be happy on the job. We're paid to do our job. That's and right. the honorable thing is to honor the person who brought you to work, the company that brings you to work and gives you that paycheck. If you want to pursue something else on the side, that doesn't mean you rob the job that you have to pursue your own thing on the side until it takes over. You still give the job that's making the uh, paycheck to you everything you've got every single day because that's the right thing to do. And if you do anything less than that, you're a damn thief and they ought to fire you. Because when you look at the studies on that, the average person spends 50% of their time screwing off on That's the right. job. That's stealing. The average person who has a computer in front of them spends two hours a day on personal stuff, not mm -hmm. on company stuff. That's stealing 25% of your paycheck. So I say, if you don't like what you do, try to love what you do no matter what it is. Try to. But... I also think that you always do the honorable thing, the right thing, the thing that, that ought to just resonate with you because it's based in integrity and that's work for the person who's paying you.
That's first. The rest of that is that you might have a job that you hate and we bought into this crap that people are telling us about you've got to find something that brings honor to your life. Why don't you bring honor to the job that you've already got? We're always telling people that, uh, uh, you know, you've got to bring meaning to your job and you want your, uh, no, you want your job to bring meaning to your life. Why don't you go bring meaning to the job that you've already got? That's the right thing to do. Mm. We're selling out to all these cute sayings and all these passionate people and all these success gurus out there who are selling you on a line because it makes them money, but it doesn't make you any money. And what always makes people money, it, it's really so simple. Find a problem, solve the problem, bring greater value to others. And when you do that and you work hard at doing that, you will in turn be served. But too many entrepreneurs get in the business of being in business so it will serve them well. When you get into the business of being in business to serve others well, that's when you make your money. That's when you make your first $100,000. But these people, you, and I love that you brought it up. They post on social media, look how great I'm doing. Yeah, they got a six-figure business. They're making their hundred grand. It's costing them a hundred and quarter to make it. But it, yeah, they made their hundred grand. It doesn't matter whether they're in the hole making their hundred grand or not, but we love to show it off. People rarely show hard work. Mm. They just don't. Why they do you think that is? The silliness of it all. Why do you think we don't show, show the hard work? Why is that you know, so? What's why? sexy and glamorous about hard work? Not too damn much. Nobody sees the hours. They love the book. And, you know, I can hold up book covers all day long. Here's a book cover. Isn't that pretty? Nobody sees me sitting here at 3 in the morning when I got out of bed and came in here and went, oh, crap. I got to write 50 pages Mm. And I sit down here and I pound it out at my desk. They don't see that part because there's nothing sexy and glamorous about sitting at your desk at three in the morning, drinking coffee, saying, I got a deadline to meet and I got to get this crap done. No, mm. but they love to look at the book covers. People love to come to Larry's house and see 150 pairs of boots back there and walk in my bourbon room and see all that. You know how hard I had to work to make all that crap happen? But there's nothing sexy about the work. So people get ahead of themselves and want to show what the work they believe has brought them. And then people say, I want that. Yeah, you want all of that, but you don't want the work. Mm. And we've sold people on all of that. You got to be selling people on the work and see the value in the work. Man, like you're, you're just dropping these wisdom nuggets that I call them, right? It's like, it's not sexy what you're saying. It's, it's, it stings. It irritates, right? That's why you're named or coined the, the world's only irritational speaker. And you're giving it, you're giving it to Startup Nation right now. And Startup Nation, listen to Larry right now. And he's contradicting all the marketing hype that we're fed, that is pipelined into our head by the media, by all the gurus out there. At the same time, our heart, I know it. Your heart right now is resonating. There's truth in what Larry's saying. We're connecting with it. It's not what we want to hear. It's kind of ugly. It's really non-sexy. But there's truth there. Larry, what do you want to add to that? You know, Werner Erhardt, you know, he's the founder of Est. He's one of the guys from many, many, many years ago. And he kind of got blackballed because he came up with Est and all that sort of stuff. He had a great line. He said, the truth will set you free. But first, it will piss you off. 
And um, what a line that is. And so if I've make, made people mad with what I have to say, I say, that's good. And you don't even have to agree with me. My goal every single day is to piss people off. Really, that's my goal. Because I know this, if I make you mad with something I've said, then you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking because of something I said, then we both win. Because we've gotten to the point that we've got entrepreneurs, we've got new business people out there, we've got people in jobs, they've stopped thinking. And they've turned their lives over to thought leaders, which is the dumbest concept in history, by the way, thought leaders, it's stupid. I know a bunch of people who call themselves thought leaders who never had an original thought in their whole life. I'm a thought follower. I follow the thoughts of a lot of people. I've read 5,000 books in the last 35 years. I'm constantly reading and gathering information so I can follow the thoughts of others and take that information, internalize it, make it mine and live it in my own way. But we don't like to do that because it's easier for us to check out and turn our lives and our energy and our emotions especially because we are running our lives right now by emotion more than we are by work. Mm -hmm. and by common sense and by core values because emotions are all that sexy part, this part that feels good. And yet emotions will betray you. People say, follow your heart, stupid idea. You don't believe following your heart's a stupid idea? Let me ask you about your love life. How many times have you followed your heart and ended up with somebody that you look back five years ago and oh, holy crap, was that a mistake? Follow your brain and your brain should always tell you, just what I said a while ago, find a problem, solve it, serve people well, add much, a lot of value and do it all through hard work and you'll get paid off. But again, that's not the sexy thing. We mm. live in, a, in an age of hyperbole where everybody's the biggest and the best and the most wonderful that I, and all that, and that's a shame because there's nothing sexy about success. It's not, Sex is about, uh, success is about sacrifice. That's right. We, we tell people all the time, well, you can get more successful if you do this, this, and this. The only way to get more successful is to give things up. You know, I tell everybody, you want to be more successful, get three sheets of paper. On the first sheet of paper, write down how your life and your business is. On the second sheet, write down how you want it to be. Now you've got two sheets. This is how it is. This is how I want it to be. On the third sheet, write down everything you're going to give up to get from where you are to where you want it to be. Ooh, it just got tough. Now yeah, I'm asking you to give things up. I'm asking you to sacrifice. And we do not live in a society right now where anybody ever asks you to sacrifice. That's right, because it's not marketable. Get more. Yeah. You know how you get rich? Give up what's making you broke. You know how you get skinny? Give up what's making you fat. You know how you get happy? Give up what's making you unhappy. You know how you get successful? Give up what's making you unsuccessful. Ooh, isn't that hard? Larry, man, I like your, your truth bombing right here, right? Explosion, explosion. Listen, you know, what just showed up for me and what you just shared is you said success is not sexy. Success is sacrifice, right? That's what it's all about. And immediately I thought of same thing in relationships, love, right? Everybody wants love. They want to be in love and all this stuff. Love, when you get down to it, is not sexy. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Those are, uh, they come from that. It's included with that, but love is sacrifice. So if you want a loving relationship, look at your relationship and then decide what am I going to sacrifice and give up for this person? What am I willing to, to give away? And that is not sexy, but that's exactly nope. where the, the, what we want lies. It's on the other door, the other side of the door of pain, yep. of sacrifice, of surrender, of nothingness. And man, that is not our world. That is not our society. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right. Man. Okay, so like, 
something uh, I, I just want to share the story. I came out to Scottsdale, Arizona, and I saw you and Suzanne Evans, I think it was, um, to put on a show. And that was my first introduction to you. Now, I saw you online and the media, and I was like, all right, this guy's cool. He's in your face or whatever. Then I experienced you live. And there were, I think, 236 people in the audience. And we're all there to be to brand ourselves better as coaches and how to market ourselves. And I remember distinctly, you had two microphones set up on the, the floor, you're up on the stage, and you had people come up to the mic and share, answer this one question. Yeah. What's the one thing you want the world to know? Yep. What's the one thing you want the world to know? And I remember distinctly, first person comes up, I want the world to know that everyone is loved and that it's so good and fluffy, fluffy, fluffy unicorns. And you just looked them in the eye and you said, you're an idiot, sit down. <laughs> and, I, and the whole audience went, <clears throat> And we all, you got our attention. And then the next person on the other mic, what do you want? What's the one thing you want the world to know? And they're like, well, I want the world to know the blah, blah, blah. You're an idiot. Sit down. And you literally went through like dominoes and you just knocked these people down in their small thinking. And they weren't speaking from the heart. They were speaking from their head, right? And I'm not saying the heart is the only place to, to speak, right? It needs to filter through the head. And it's like, I remember... People in the audience, Larry, went from, ooh, Larry, wing it. I'm coming to his event, right? They're loving you. <laughs> They're loving you or, or what they imagine you are. And then you yell at them. You call them an idiot. You truth bomb them. They went literally in a 30 seconds to hating you, literally hating you. And I remember one guy, he got mad at you, and he was like, no, you're an idiot, Larry. You're wrong. And you were like, Really? I've been doing this for 25 years. You, you think you're going to take me on? Boom. And then you just shut them down. And I was like, man, they went from love to hate. And then they had a breakthrough. Yep. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And, and, and you just kept hitting them with truth and facts and what they didn't want to hear. And then finally they got it. And then they were like, man, I love Larry Winget. You're my hero. And it was like, I had never seen anyone do that. And you stood in it. And I was like, that was so powerful. I want to kind of do, not I want to kind of, I want to do that. I want to learn how to get in people's face where needed to stand for transformation because I had never seen anything so real. Now, what shows up for you in me just reliving that story with you? What you do know, you want to share with Startup Nation here? I, I think uh, most speakers go on the stage and coaches go on the stage to say things so their audience will love them. And I honestly don't need their love. Uh, and I don't care if I get it. Uh, because my ego is not tied up in whether people approve of what I have to say or do. About the only rush I get at this point in my career, because I've been doing this a good long while, is I like to verbally slap people so hard that I can visually watch them pull back from me. And, and I can. Any audience that I speak to, and I'm a pretty funny guy. I'm I spent a lot of years as a humorist. And so, uh, but I watched them pull back from me in horror or shame or anger or whatever that emotion is. And then a few seconds later, maybe for some, a couple of minutes later, they lean way back into me, maybe turn to the person next to him, go, God, I hate him, but he's right. That's what I'm looking for. I hate him, but he's right. You see, most people live their lives trying to be easy to say yes to. I live my life trying to be impossible to say no to. 
Mm. I want it to make so much sense. I want this there to be so much logic, so much value in what I do that even if they hate it, they can't disagree with me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I tell people you're, and I, I have a central point of view, it's been the theme of every best-selling books I've written, all the speeches I've done in 25 years. My central point of view is your life's your own damn fault, period. People hate that. And then after I work it a while and show them that everything that's going on in their life, good or bad, is a consequence of the actions and the thoughts that they put out there, they go, well, he's right. I can't say no to that anymore. And so I do that with everything that I say. It's got to be make so much sense that even if you hate it, you can't disagree with it. To me, that's where the value comes. Not just saying things that everybody goes, oh, doesn't that sound good? Let's agree with that. Where's the value? As long as two people agree, one of them's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So either the speaker's not necessary or the audience isn't necessary in those situations. You know, Larry, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I hate to be, I'm going to be selfish for a second, right? But you're really... Um, like hitting me between the eyes again, right? In my calling and what I'm called to do. And it's standing for transformation in people's lives, right? In a powerful way. And my faith plays a lot into that. And it's the same thing, whether it's the business world in your audience that you speak to, or in my audience, it's the Christian world. Mm -hmm. uh, It's the same exact thing. Your faith or lack of faith or your spirituality or lack of spirituality is your own damn fault. You've created this, and it's because you're not stepping into taking responsibility for what you've created. And the second we take responsibility for what we've created in our business life, in our personal life, our relationships, in our faith with God, the second we take responsibility for that, I believe freedom shows up because now we have a choice in the matter. It's no longer a blind spot for us. We go, shit, I created this, and I can recreate yourself from all of the stuff that comes in from others. If you, everything that you say and everything that you do and every action you take, you're waiting to see what everybody else's response will be. Will they love it? Will they approve of me? Will they not like it? Ooh, I wonder. You got to rise above that. That's where the freedom is. When you have absolute clarity, you know, I wrote a bestseller called Grow a Pair, and it's about figuring out what you believe and standing up for it and speaking up for it. An incredibly important book at this point in society for sure. Because if you walk up to the average person on the street and say, give me five things that you believe that you'll never compromise on, they'll look at Mm. you like a dog looking at a ceiling fan. Heck yeah. Never figured out what they believe and why they believe it and and, and if they will never compromise. I mean, I've got, that's a core value in my opinion. And if people have never taken the time to to do that, and if it's really a core value, it's not a conditional or a situational value. It's that way for you all the time, whether somebody else agrees with you or not. Mm. And that's where you talk about freedom. I'm a big believer. I love to be free. And the only freedom I ever found in my life is having so much clarity about who I am and finding the willingness, growing a pair, finding the willingness to stand up for it and speak up for it and remove myself from the emotional uh, bombardment of others on the outside because I don't need their approval. I don't need their disapproval. I've removed myself from that. That's freedom. 
I get that, right? And and I know you're like our startup nation. You're hearing Larry right now, and you're saying, "Man, I I see the truth. I don't like what he's saying, but I, I'm seeing the truth. He's making it, you know, evident and clear." But how do I get there? Like, how do I, how do I not care what people think about me? That need for acceptance. It just makes us human. I have it. You have it. Larry has it. We all have it at different degrees. Larry, you're you're like challenging us right now. <laughs> Let Get me rid help of it. What? First of all, <clears throat> uh, make your group that you're seeking approval from very very small. Uh, the mm. only people I really need the approval of and the love and adoration of is, is my family. Uh, I got two sons, three little grandsons, and my wife and two daughter-in-laws, and I love them to pieces. I I'm tough with them too, but those are the people I really care about. Everybody else, what difference does it make? Really? Why do we spend all this time on social media trying to make all these people happy you don't even know and are never going to meet? I don't care. You know, what they think of me truly is there's a great book from years ago, What You Think of Me is None of My Business. Great book. Everybody ought to read that. And I really buy that. I get that. It's my business. Uh, but the people I care about are the people I hold close to me. And so that's where I start. So I've got a very small group of people I just care about. Secondly, I, have, I, I want everybody to go through what I just said. Write down five things that you believe in that you'll never compromise. I don't care if somebody's holding a gun to your head, you're not gonna compromise. This is what you believe. And believe it to the point that you're willing to stand up for it and speak up for it, regardless of who's listening. And I, that's the hard part, regardless of who's listening. I will speak up for honesty no matter what. I will speak up for integrity and self-reliance and a work ethic. Uh, those are my values. I'm not going to compromise those things. And so when people have established that in their life, and, and here's the other thing. We, we spend our lives, especially in the coaching world and all that, trying to change the world. Guess what? The world doesn't want to change. It doesn't. And, and in my last book where I'm laying out these core value things and what's wrong, I did an interview on Fox News with Brian Kilmeade and, and Kilmeade got me to the end of the program and he says, Larry, you really paint this dark picture. Can we fix it? And I go, no, we can't fix it. You're not going to fix the world. Here's the only thing. And I end the book this, this way. The only thing you can do is work every single day, every moment of every single day, try to fix your world. That's it. Just try to fix your world. It always goes back to you. And if you fix your world, if you get up every single day and live by your values and just take, if that takes every, all the energy I've got is to make Larry Wingate as good as Larry Wingate could be every day for Larry Wingate. That's it. I'm the one that, who brushes his teeth at night before I go to bed. And I got to look myself in the eye and say, you are a good version of you today. And I don't care whether anybody else thinks it or not. If I can say, based on my own internal standards and values, I was a good version of who I am today, then I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. Let people do what they do. I'll do what I do for me, by me. And that's where we need to focus. It's being almost selfish in our view of what's going on in the world. But I know if I'm the best version of me and you're the best version of you and I can remind everybody else to be the best version of them, then the world does change. It's just I can't focus all of my energy on changing what's outside of me. I want everybody 
to focus their energy on changing what's inside of them for them. You know, what's, uh, what I'm hearing, Larry, is in Startup Nation, really get this uh, wisdom nugget that Larry has dropped. He's dropped a bunch of them, but this is the one that's showing up for me right now is the gap lies in creating a smaller network around you, a smaller group around you of people you actually care about feeling loved and accepted by. Everybody else, not your, not your thought, not your issues. You got no business caring about what they think about you. And that, I think you just bridged the gap, Larry, at least you did for me, is we still have that human emotion of caring and wanting to be accepted and loved, but we're way too broad in how many people we let into that, that pool of need or requirement. And it's like, we need to be very exclusive and put some ribbon around that, some tape around that and say, okay, you, you, and you, my family, my close friends, you're the only ones that what you think about me actually truly matters. Everybody else's opinions, I don't, it doesn't even show up in my hearing anymore. That's right. Yeah, I get that. Larry, you, you did drop one uh, small daily habit looking at yourself in the mirror every night. Um, what is one daily habit that has helped you to get where you are? Another daily habit, maybe something. Really, that's one of mine right there is that I do look myself in the mirror every single night and say, how was I today for me? Uh, and I do a little self-analysis while I'm brushing my teeth every night. And I go, yeah, I did pretty good today. I was a pretty good version of Larry Winkett. Yeah, I needed to work on that one. I probably ought to go in and tell my wife I was sorry for that remark I made or whatever. And I do my best to make amends. Uh, so when I realize I've been an idiot, and listen, I, I'm an idiot more by noon than most people will be this month. Trust me. Uh, <clears throat> but I try to make amends. And so I don't like to to go to bed with stuff on me. So I try to get things right. I try to deal with it. And if I made a mistake, admit that I've made the mistake, take responsibility for my, my mistake, uh, agree with myself that I'll make amends if I need to, let it go if I have to, whatever. But that's one of the things I do. The other thing, a daily habit, is that uh, I know exactly what has to happen tomorrow. Mm. So when I wake up in the morning, I know the most important things that have to get done. That's where people mess up. They wait until today to say, what am I gonna do today? Today's already too late. And they also try to do too much. If I know I've gotta do that one thing more than any other thing, I'll make sure that one thing gets done. Anything else that gets done is a bonus. But I always know the most important things that absolutely must get done and they never get pushed aside. Those things always get done, but I know that the day ahead. Before I go to bed every night, I say, okay, tomorrow, what are the three things, five things, one thing that have to happen? Man, love it. Love it. What is the one thing that you want the world to know about success or being successful or being successful in business? What's the one thing you want our startup nation to hear right now and hear right in right where it hurts actually i've already said it that success comes from sacrifice it's not about getting it's about giving up and when you figure out what it is you're willing to give up what you're left with is what you want but you've got to give up a lot of stuff along the way these motivational bozos who tell you and everybody's heard it you can have it all that's a lie you can't have it all you're going to have to choose Love it. Great value there. So Larry, this is my favorite part of the show. We're going to wrap it up here. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I ask 
I ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have three seconds to answer each. Don't sure. overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Yep. All right. What's your favorite sound? My favorite. I didn't hear you. Your favorite sound? Bacon frying. <laughs> What's your least favorite sound? Snoring. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A veterinarian. What are you most afraid of? I don't have a lot of fears. If you had one, what is it? If you were to share transparently. Uh, the pain of dying. Not afraid to be dead. Don't want to die. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Focusing on myself instead of others. Yeah, I get that one. What secret fear do you have about people? No, I'm not afraid of people at all. Got it. Back in the day, um, what secret fear did you have before you got past that? You know, I have really spent uh, almost my whole life uh, just not caring about what other people thought. Really, I've, okay. that's been a gift. That is a gift. There's freedom in that for sure. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Uh, authenticity. Mm. Okay, I get that. What is a new habit you want to form, Larry? Uh, exercise, more exercise. Okay, and what's a bad habit you want to break? Well, I like all my habits. <laughs> I really do. I enjoy them. At this point in my career, in my life, I'm pretty satisfied with my habits. <laughs> yeah, you and I have similar habits with the bourbon, the whiskey, and the cigars, so I love them as well. There you go. Uh, pick, three words, pick three words to describe who you are now. Clear, authentic, and focused. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were back then in the beginning. Uh, clear, inauthentic, mm. and focused. Wow, what a big missing ingredient, huh? I get that one. Okay, imagine sometime in the distant future, Larry, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Empty, all used up. Boom, love it. And last question, Larry, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Uh, be good to yourself. Got it. Awesome. Larry, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? I'm the easiest guy in the world to find. I'm all over social media, Larry Wingate fan page. You can follow me on Twitter, Larry Wingate. You can go to my website, uh, LarryWingate.com. I got books and videos and audios and training stuff and free stuff. I'm easy. Any awesome. bookstore. And Larry, what's an upcoming book that you, you just launched that you want to put out there to Startup Nation? One came out just a couple of months ago called What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything, How the Collapse of Core Values is Destroying Us and How to Fix It. It's a great book. Awesome. And out of all your books that you've written right so far, all your best uh, best-selling books, what's the, the number one book you would recommend to Startup Nation as business owners? The title of the book is It's Called Work for a Reason. Not work for a reason. It's called work for a reason. It's a business book about adding value, how to be a great employee, how to be a great employer, how to hire, fire, manage, sell, provide great service. That's really my best book, in my opinion. Love it. And we spoke about that today, right? So it really shows up. Larry, thanks for joining us today. And I wish you peace, love, and superpowers, even though you don't believe in them. <laughs> I appreciate it. Got it. Just Bye. stay on. 
Want to grow your business faster than ever imagined? Head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you are made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you at the top. Cheers.